0: This is WWE Superstar Drew McIntyre. You're listening to the WWE Podcast. The The is... one that everybody wants. Me. He us go to WrestleMania. Play more. Play more. 316 says, I just ripped your ass. is my item. You're going to acknowledge me. Welcome to the WWE Podcast. It is Saturday, September 3rd, 2022. Yes, a Saturday with all of these weird events happening on Saturday and preview prediction shows happening Friday. I am recording days I normally don't. And given that event, the premium live event of Clash of the Castle wrapped up earlier today. I know I'm about 10 hours late, but uh, hey, I I couldn't watch it live. I hope you guys were able to, and we're going to we're going to get into Clash at the Castle. Overall, I thought that it was a one of the best pure wrestling pay-per-views. We're going to call it pay-per-view here. That I've seen in quite some time. From an in-ring perspective, there's a lot to like here. There's a lot to like from bell to bell in nearly every single match. Some of them over-delivered in what I already thought was going to be a great match. And we're going to break it down for you match by match in the order that they happen, with the exception of the main event. I, I'm not going to even try to hook you guys to the end of the show to, to talk about the main event. I, I want to start there. I'm going to start with the Universal WWE Universal Heavyweight Championship, undisputed championship matchup between Roman Reigns and Drew McIntyre. Now, the crowd was 95% in, in support of Drew. I, I was worried that they were going to go 60-40. They were basically unanimously, virtually unanimously, behind Drew McIntyre and booing Roman Reigns. The crowd genuinely or generally behaved themselves when it came to cheering who they should cheer and booing who they should boo. And, and when I say should, I mean what WWE wants them to do. They generally did. Even with the Dominic Mysterio heel turn, which brought a tear to my eye, and we'll dive into that. E- even with that, the crowd cheered appropriately, or rather booed appropriately, when they could have easily cheered that. And with the Roman Reigns-Drew McIntyre matchup, Roman Reigns was the villain, right? There was no question about it. Drew McIntyre was the, as close to a hometown boy as you can get. And WWE drove home how many times? there's been 30 years. It's been 30 years. It's been 30 over 30 years since they last had an event here. The last one, I believe they said SummerSlam 1992 that was headlined by British, the British Bulldog versus Bret Hart for the intercontinental championship with uh British Bulldog winning. And so it's been some quite some time and the crowd genuine. I keep saying genuinely. I mean, generally kept their enthusiasm up the most of the night and they brought it and just think, guys. A, what? A year and ago, little over a year ago, year and a half ago, we were dealing with no crowds in a Thunderdome. Remember that? Or remember before that? In the early pandemic days, when there was nobody, and how painful that was. So, we get the uh, the, the crowd back in full force at a high level, and I, I was very, very happy that the the, uh, the Cardiff Wales crowd delivered, and they delivered in a big way. 62,000 people there, just going crazy. And they even kept their energy up through the main event. And every match, by the way, seemed to be about 45 minutes long. <laughs> I, I'm complaining, but I'm not. I guess I'm not used to every match being that long. I like it. Why do I like it? It's easier to digest. It's easier to get into the story when you don't have to rapid fire through matches, five, 10 minute matches. And not that every match needs to be 45 minutes, but it shows you that these, these performers have been handcuffed, not being able to showcase what they can really do because a lot of times they're limited on time. And whether that's Vince McMahon's fault or not, I, I don't know. I would imagine that it is Vince McMahon who, it was the one who signed off on the amount of time everyone was given. But rather than giving everyone a jersey, they, in this case, gave us, what, five, six matches and just gave everyone an ample amount of time to tell a story. And I loved it. So anyway, I got way off track. The main event. The main event was really good. OK, I thought that there, the match quality was. I mean, it, it was maybe even better than Brock and Roman in, in certain ways and the 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 uh the kickouts of finishes I, I'm cool with but I think this match may have overused the kickout of finishes a little too much but but there was use for it given that the finish of the match saw Drew essentially win the universal championship the undisputed championship Which, by the way, only to have ruined by Michael Cole, who can't help himself, but always tell you, we're going to see a new champion. How has no one said this to any announcer? Straight up, shut your mouth. There is never a time, almost never a time that anyone can point to in which an announcer ruins the finish just seconds before we find out the finish and tries to predict what's going to happen or it, that it's a certainty that so-and-so is going to lose the title or win the title only to find out seconds later that the exact opposite happens. Therefore, spoiling what's about to happen. So announcers like Michael Cole, who I I don't hate like a lot of people do. I think he does a, a good job and I often don't think he gets the respect he deserves. But it's a bad habit of commentators. This just incessant need when a, when a finish of a match towards the end of a match is happening and there's those false finishes before you get to the true finish, the announcers spoil the, sh- the, the heck out of it <laughs> and always try to steer you in the opposite direction from the direction now you know you're going. So does that make sense to everybody? You know what I'm talking about. When some, like when an announcer is like, I mean, Drew McIntyre is going to win the Universal Championship right here. And it's like, in that exact in that moment, you go, well, thanks, Cole. We know it's not happening now. So shut your mouth. This is to Cole. This is to every announcer that does this. In those few seconds, those tense moments, you want to talk about pouring cold water on those moments? And it may not ruin it for you guys, but maybe it does too. It needs to be addressed because I'm sick of it. <laughs> I didn't think of any ranting at the beginning of the show, but as I am thinking about it, it is a very bad. It's one of the worst habits any announcer can have. So, okay let's let's get let's get into a little bit more positive stuff. Physical match, good chemistry. I would like how we were reminded that the last time these two had a, a matchup was twenty nineteen at Survivor Series, uh, or was it twenty twenty? It might have been a uh, nineteen or twenty that they had an exhibition Survivor Series matchup. And then the announcer, I think it might have been um, Corey Graves or Byron. I couldn't remember. One of them said, well, they've had so much. Just th- th- these two know each other so well. And I'm like, wait a minute. Didn't you just tell me that they haven't had a match in two years and that, you know, generally they haven't had a ton of ring time together. There, there have been other matches. They had a WrestleMania match. People forget about that. But. Don't tell me that it's like John Cena and Edge or Randy Orton and John Cena, right? Or, you know, that kind of thing. I don't know. It it made no sense. I'm like, anyway. But this was a fun match. We also had Theory try to get involved. I forgot about it. That was a nice little surprise. And I thought, oh, my God. But Tyson Fury, for for some reason, decides to interject himself in that nobody says anything. No security cares. (laughs) Everyone's just like, eh, whatever. But. Carrying Cross also stared down Drew McIntyre during the match, throwing his water bottle at him. And it was nice to see Carrying Cross at ringside because he kind of knew that if he's at ringside, he's not going to spoil the match necessarily. That he's going to be directly responsible for Drew uh, losing. But for Tyson Fury to knock out uh, Theory was surprising. The crowd loved it. And I, I'm kind of on board with the punch only because it took theory out of the equation. I don't want that right now. I wanted to see straight up who would be who. And, you know, so we get a uh, a Claymore, no referee, theory before that tries to cash in, didn't work. Then we get a uh, a, a new member, which I have been, and, and others have been alluding to... I didn't specifically make this call during this pay-per-view. I actually called wrong. I called the, the main event wrong, and I thought Drew was going to win. But Solo uh, Sekoa, the younger brother of the Usos, I think Solo... I'm probably butchering this. Solo uh, Secoa... I, I don't know. <laughs> I'll get a pronunciation later. But the younger brother of the Usos interferes, and that allows... Roman Reigns to hit the spear and get the victory. So a new member of the bloodline is now emerging. Not only is the bloodline retain their championship, but also it expands. And the crowd was pissed. The crowd was just just angry, as they should be, and as a, as a lot of fans are at home. And I'm very surprised at this decision. I'm very surprised at this, at this decision because Triple H is in charge. If Vince was still at the top of the uh, food chain, I would say, "Well, this makes sense." You know, you, we all knew Vince isn't going to drop the belt to anybody. You know, until maybe WrestleMania or beyond that, he wants a thousand day reign. You know, we have been, I've been talking about that for months and months and months. But with Triple H at the top of the food chain, it was a hell of a time to send a a really, really strong message to fans that things are changing. I hear you. This is your number one complaint. Let's go. If Triple H's logic is, well, see, they're getting so annoyed. They're dying for somebody to beat him. See, that guy, that has people interested. I would argue that this is the wrong kind of heat. Now, I've made this argument a few times before. And I know people will battle to the death with me and I will too. I will die on this hill that there is, there are differences in heel heat. The one side of heat is the heat that you want as a, as a heel that people would pay their money to see somebody beat your ass, that somebody would pay money to see a baby face, hand you your ass on a silver platter and just bludgeon you, right? Or just, just beat you. And the people arguing against me would say, well, isn't that exactly what people would want for Roman Reigns? And the answer is, it's gone deeper than the character. It's gone deeper than wanting to see somebody beat Roman. It's actually the heat. It's heat on the company now. It's gone beyond the, okay, let's play along in this fantasy environment. Fun run. I like to see Roman get beat up. Cool. Um, I'm angry that he's still champion, but I'm along for the story. It's beyond that. It's actually the second kind of heat, which is the heat you don't want. That's heat on the company. And it's go away heat, meaning people want to change the channel. Now, you could look at the ratings. And you could bear that out. I don't believe that WWE has had a drop in viewership. And it's a lot of empty threats, more than likely, of fans saying, "Oh, I'm going to stop watching, and most of us don't, right? It's just kind of a it, it, pay attention to me or I'll I'll do the thing that I'm, you know, say I'm going to do. Don't push me. And most of us are just stick along, stay along, right? Most of us stick around. But the product with Roman Reigns as champion, I agree I'm over. And not in a way that makes me want to pay somebody to see beat Roman up like it's I don't tune in to see Roman um, get beat up by somebody you know I I just wanted a new I don't care how it happens I don't even care if Vince McMahon comes back from the dead out of uh, obscurity in a retirement home and it it gets like just gets the uh, the keys to the kingdom for one more day and in that day he just decides to strip Roman of the championships great I, I really don't even care anymore I'm beyond. I'm past the point of caring who gets the belt. I'm past the point of caring if it's a young star that they could use to build their career, which is what it should be ideally, and something they can use to springboard them into the next level of their career and help build new stars. I don't. Even, I don't give a damn anymore about that. Yeah. You know, I, I don't. I don't pretend to care anymore about it. Um, it it's just we're at a point now. Where fans are just, it's, it's, it's heat on the company for continuing this. And Triple H had a chance tonight to really send a very good message. A message of true change. That I hear you. Let's go this direction. And the even stronger argument than everything I've just said is for the guys in the locker room. What do I mean by that? Think about what Raw has had to deal with since WrestleMania. No champion on Raw. The, as they have the U.S. title, and that's wonderful, and they've done a great job to help resurrect that championship. But they've had no top champion on Raw. And that's unfair to the guys on that brand that want to be able to to fight for a championship that should be there, and it's not. It's affecting guys' careers. At this point, in a real way, not in a kayfabe storyline way. So you, you, negatively, it's it's not even at that point anymore, where it's like, oh, you know, well Roman's got the belt, and let's talk about it. Outside of Seth Rollins, no one's talking about it. So it's it's just it's tiring, it's old, and the heat's on the company. People boo Roman now because they are tired of where creative's going with Roman. Now there's a lot of great positives that Triple H has made. We all know what they are. There are returns of like 10 different people that WWE let go. Camera angles, different little production tips and tricks that have changed. But this would have been the ultimate message to send to fans is I hear you. Let's do it. Now. You have Seth Rollins, who has been talking about challenging Roman Reigns or at least competing for the universal championship, undisputed championship for quite some time, a couple of months. And now we can maybe go back to that. Uh, I don't know what Extreme Rules has in store, but if you remember last Survivor Series, that's only uh, that, that'll be the next event after that. What happened was Seth and Roman at that Survivor Series. I think Seth is probably going to get, and we'll get to his match in a minute, but Seth is probably going to move away from Riddle after Extreme Rules. I think Extreme Rules, Riddle will want one more crack at Rollins, one more detour before we get Rollins versus... Roman Reigns at Survivor Series. And maybe it'll actually be for the championship. Even though champions usually face off against one another for Raw and SmackDown and all that. But anyway, I think the next... Guys, I hate to say (laughs) it. The next time we actually have to think about Roman winning or dropping the championship is in November at Survivor Series versus Seth. That's the next... Possible opportunity. I have no idea if Roman's going to compete at uh, Extreme Rules. I doubt it. Uh, Although it is Philadelphia on October 8th. We'll see. I haven't heard anything official. But the the problem is, as we creep closer and closer to this 1,000 days, at the point of Survivor Series, you'll be well into the, what, 800s? Right? You'll be probably approaching 800 days as champion. And at that point, you're eighty percent of the way. Why not finish it to a thousand? Is probably what they're going for. Now, I I don't know if Triple H has that in mind. It's it's been a goal made up in my own mind. It's not anything I've heard officially anywhere. It's just a goal. It's just a goal in my mind that I, or a finish line in my mind that they have to say Roman Reigns celebrate his thousandth day as champion, because after Roman drops the belt. There will likely not be somebody else to come along and hold the belt for that long, maybe in our lifetimes, depending on how old you are, of course, because the modern era does not usually allow for such a long reign. It doesn't. These stars that WWE likes to put the belt on typically don't last more than three to six months, sometimes six to eight months. Very rarely do they get to a year, much less two years, much less, what, a thousand effing days, three years as champion? Isn't that what it is? Three, probably underdoing it, or it's like two years and change, right? I have to do the math on exactly when a thousand days is from when Roman Reigns won the championship. I'd have to look at that. Um, But I know the fans in Wales were pissed. They said, I saw a sign that said, if Drew loses, we riot. And that all that's all you need to know about actually where the fans stand, about how tired they are of this. So, all right, I'm going in circles. I was disappointed at the outcome. Uh, no rock again. No, uh, no, nobody coming out to challenge Roman again. It was just Roman and uh, the uh, Uso's younger brother coming out and uh, then walking back up the ramp, and that's it. So after that, it gets weird. It gets weird. This is the really only larger complaint I have about the show is after the match, Drew, who just was beat in a shady way in front of 62,000 people, is suddenly just all smiles, giggles and sing alongs with Tyson Fury. I was waiting for somebody to drop the other one, you know, like Tyson to hit drew or drew to claymore tyson or something i don't want to see those two fight by the way i have no interest in that at all zero but then they start singing i don't know i i don't even recognize some of the songs people were booing tyson and then uh drew was saying you know oh well so i'm so happy to be here you guys you know uh you guys came out for me i appreciate all all that stuff and it was like and, and then he's singing along you wanted to sing sweet caroline like what what the hell is going on? I, I thought it was a really awkward way to end the show. It was almost as if Vince, I tweeted this out, came back and somehow just went into the uh, like in a ski mask, found his way into the, uh, the, the the production meeting. And when no one was looking, snuck into the into the, uh, the, the conference room and then penciled in this segment and snuck back out of the building. It's almost like Vince McMahon made this because it doesn't make any creative sense. I understand why they did it to try to make people feel good on the way home. But the fact is, Drew lost and then he's suddenly okay with everything. I don't know. It's weird. And then Tyson Fury, a guy that no one asked for. No one wants to see in wrestling. Like we, we I have no interest in the guy. A, a, amazing boxer. That's great. But to me, I have zero interest in it. He played a big role in the event, <laughs> but all right, moving on. I wanted to get that out of my system about the main event. Um, let's see here. Let's talk about let's talk about the uh, pre match or the uh, pre show match, which I only saw highlights of because I didn't get to actually watch it in full. But the uh, Mad Cat Moss Street Profits versus Austin Theory and the Alpha Academy on the kickoff show. The whole build to this was just getting Moss to get a hot tag, which is what I do remember. Um, It ended with Mad Cat Moss and the Street Profits beating Austin Theory in the Alpha Academy. It was just a nice, feel-good, get-the-crowd-warmed-up moment. Um, The match was, from what I saw, was fine. And it makes sense that the Street Profits and Mad Cat Moss win. They're really trying to build Mad Cat Moss. There's no doubt about that. All right. Then we get to the opening of the actual show. Bianca Belair, Alexa Bliss, and Asuka take out damage control, or rather, face damage control, which they finally have a name. I like it. They finally have a name. Bailey, Eosky, and Dakota Kai. After the crowd sang to Bailey, all six women began to brawl, and they went through a triple suplex. I have mixed feelings about it. I don't think I've ever seen a triple suplex. But it also feels like everyone's waiting on their spot. Like, okay, everyone get into place. Ready, one, two, three. Like, I'm I, I'm very mixed. Like, it's cool, but it also feels very staged when they do those things. Because if you were actually trying to fight, you wouldn't just be like waiting around or you, you just you know it frozen in statue mode until everyone's in place. Wouldn't you try to be? Wouldn't you try to actually be actively fighting? I don't know. But that's what pro wrestling is. So not trying to ruin it for you, but. Those things are very, uh, very kind of simulated, if you will. But the match quickly settled into kind of your standard six-person tag match, and there were frequent tags. Oscar, were rather Bailey was trying to avoid Bianca. That makes sense because that's the money match that they're eventually going to build to. Then uh, Bailey hit a rose plant, and Sky hit a moonsault that allowed Bailey to score the victory on Bianca. Really interesting here. I like the finish. It was clean, a clean win by the heel, something that Vince McMahon very rarely did, and then a clean loss to Bianca from Bailey. I mean, yes, she got hit with a couple of finishes, but that was also kind of a Vince McMahon no-no. Is the champion, if they're on a tag team, never almost never takes the fall. It has to be the blame has to be put to somebody else. One of one of their uh, one of their underlings. Not in this case. Bailey pinned Bianca, and it was all clean. That was interesting. And I, 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 I agree with it. And the match was really good. And boy, was it long. It was long. I don't want to say it was too long. But it's also nice to see the women fighting for something that's not surrounded around a championship. Okay. My God. This next match, I argue, is the match of the night. And... I didn't expect it to be this good, and that's the Intercontinental Championship match. Now, between Gunther and Sheamus, we all knew, the announcers knew, your grandma knew that this was being billed as, or even if you didn't need the marketing part of it, you knew that this was going to be physical because of both men's styles. Both men have a very, very physical, brutal style. Not dangerous, just stiff. And... They work tough, and they have very, very similar um, wrestling psychology, it seems like, too. So this was uh, just so well done. What a great match. These were career-defining matches for both men. Both men. Yes, of course, for Gunther, who's on the rise. And also for Seamus, who hasn't had that good of a match in how many years? When's the last time Seamus got that kind of reaction? Yes, he was in the UK, right? He's you know he's an Irishman. I get all that, and that certainly helped. The crowd was definitely behind him. But when's the last time on a, on a stage like that, Seamus had that kind of uh, reaction and that quality of a match? I, I don't think it's happened in a very long time. Uh, so this was physical it was brutal it was as brutal as you thought it was with the the uh the, the blood vessels in Sheamus's chest you know, popping and bleeding essentially internally the chops were just hard to watch the uh the receipt from Sheamus with the 12 beats of the Bowerin is it Bowerin Bowden I don't know what it is I've got to google it who knows but that those those chops, the receipt back to Gunther was also brutal. You could tell he was laying it in hard, like as hard as he could. Uh, so it was good, good stuff here. The psychology of the finishes and the, the uh, near finishes were great. The Celtic cross near fall was brilliant. Um, that the, the Gunther winning with a lariat I didn't see coming. The only flying ointment if you want to call it that is that Gunther could not get Seamus up for a power bomb to save his life. I mean the second attempt was much better uh, you know when, when it was a near fall but you know, that, that's it I mean I'm not even gonna not even gonna knock those two for that but if you're trying to find something that would be it. but this was other than that like a 4.8 out of five stars. this was awesome and isn't it amazing? That you have a match like this that had nearly, nearly no top rope flying maneuvers. Yes, Gunther hit the the power bomb and all that. um, And we had a couple of off the top rope moves, but they weren't flip, flop and fly. The moves made sense. The guys took their time. The in-ring psychology was added a premium this couldn't have been better it is better than i had ever imagined it would be the crowd was so into this as they should have been Uh, this was uh this was just so so good Uh, it was old school yes to michael cole it was old school but it also showed you that this type of wrestling that we see today that is so idolized with the NXT style and the AEW fast fly style and all the crazy moves and the ricochet kind of uh, matches, which are incredibly athletic and this otherworldly, they aren't the only way to have an excellent match. I would I would prefer this type of match any day of the week over the hundred mile an hour. Look at how crazy I can go. How many maneuvers I can do. Look at how many reversals I can do and how quickly I can do them. How many 450 splashes can I do? I would take Sheamus and Gunther and that match style every week, twice on Sunday. It is just it shows you and shows the world that professional wrestling when it's at its greatest is easy to understand. It's brutal. Uh, it gets you emotionally invested. And both everyone's elevated in a loss or a victory. And that's the case for everyone. Everyone, including the Intercontinental Championship here, are all winners. They also, speaking of the Intercontinental Championship, elevated that championship back to where it should be in a single match. It was awesome. Truly. I'm not trying to pun on the chance. It was so good. Um, I don't know what else to say about it. I mean... Do I see them probably having a rematch? Yeah, but will they have the same quality of a matchup? No, it very rarely comes back to magic like this. Very rarely, even if you put the two guys in the ring again, will they have the same kind of match in terms of uh, you know quality? It's just difficult to do to have at that level. These are the types of matches that are match of the year candidates. And my God, it's just it was so good. But Gunther winning absolute right decision. One hundred percent. All right. Then we get to the SmackDown Women's Championship: Liv Morgan versus Shayna Baszler. This match was better than I thought. These women brought it. I had really kind of lowered the bar for this matchup because Liv hasn't shown me a lot of um, a lot of fire, so to speak, or a lot of a lot of range in her, uh, in her in ring ability and on the mic. She, or the I shouldn't say on the mic. The crowd starts to boo her and started to boo her when Ronda Rousey went on her tear. And luckily for her in Cardiff, I think they generally were family uh, friendly to her and booing Shayna Baszler. So she got lucky there. But the um, the match itself, I thought was really good. It uh, I don't envy the women to have to follow the Seamus and Gunther match. I'll just say that. but. This was a this was a good match. The submissions had me emotionally invested. The amount of submissions, both women, even the submission that uh, Liv put on Shayna was it the triangle choke? Or maybe that was Riddle and uh, I think that was Riddle and uh, Seth. But the the number of just false finishes with the submissions was very good. Morgan drove Baszler's head into the turnbuckle. Then she hit a running powerbomb. Baszler then locked up the karafuta clutch and an armbar. Morgan reached the ropes. And then shortly thereafter, after hitting a kind of a code breaker, hit Oblivion for the win. This is a victory that if you're a Liv Morgan fan, you desperately needed to validate her as champion. She has, from the time she became champion and has defended it, been an opportunist. And that's what Money in the Bank should do. So there's nothing heelish about that. But then she defends it in a and is successful in kind of a shady lady luck way, um, you know. So I, I think that Liv Morgan needed this victory. I'm not worried about Shayna Baszler. I think that she is going to go on a tear and she'll go back to the old Shayna Baszler, just breaking people's arms. I think that Triple H sees the value in that personality of Shayna Baszler. So this was, this was a good match. Definitely one that uh, surprised me. The only th- thing I would say about Oblivion, she needs to tighten that move up or change finishes. It's sloppy, and it didn't look good. If you saw the maneuver, you would say, ah, no way the match is ending after that, and it did. That's the only thing I'd say. It was just her. I don't know if it's just it looks like it's a difficult move. To make it look good every time. It it seems like an overcomplicated move. And because it's like, I, I don't know. Maybe it's also partly responsible for the person who's taking maneuver to make it look really good, too. And it is. But I don't know. Um, Just a, a small observation there. But all right. Edge and Rey Mysterio versus the Judgment Day. Finn Balor and Damian Priest. Edge came out with a Lucha mask on. That was weird. I I didn't enjoy that. I'm like, edge, can we just see you? Is it really edge under there? And the crowd was like, what, what? <laughs> like they, they were off the wall for edge, by the way, the amount of positive reception and, and cheering and cheers and adulation that he received was just, you know, through the roof. And that's wonderful for edge. And, uh, so that was fun. Ray Mysterio also got a positive reaction, not to the level of edge, but still, and the judgment day comes out and, uh, We finally got Rey Mysterio having the guts to uh, hit Rhea Ripley with a a suicide dive, albeit it was on Dominic. And uh, then just by proxy, we had Rhea push him down um, or get, get knocked down. But it's something. It's something in the right direction. So the match was good. I will say Edge attempting the six one nine was interesting. He got a five one nine, as Corey Graves said, it was like almost there, not quite. Uh, but I do appreciate Edge trying the the six one nine. It was it was a decent attempt, and we got uh, Edge hitting a spear, and after the six one nine was hit um, on Balor, and then Balor gets speared. He, so. Balor got the 619 edge him after that and then gets the victory. After the match, we had Ray and Edge celebrate. Dominic kind of looked annoyed before kicking Edge right between the legs. And I thought he was about to do the same to his dad, but his, he still clotheslined his dad. And I loved it. the The crowd didn't cheer. I saw in that moment, I'm like, ooh, this could be one of those moments where people are just super excited for Dom. They're tired of him being a little uh, you-know-what, and it's time to give him a voice. It's time to just do this, and they did, and I was super excited for Dom. He had a different look to him. I instantly care more about him now than I did you know, two seconds before that moment. It was just a long time coming. My god was it a long time coming. Maybe I'm wondering if they didn't do it because they don't f- they didn't feel Dom was ready for that type of spotlight because once he turns heel the follow up is super important. He has to explain why. And I mean that means he has to cut a promo, which that g- he hasn't yet. Like he has not cut a good promo at all yet. But it's time for Dom to step up, be a good heel that I know he can be and attack his father, which I think he will. I think his dad on SmackDown is probably going to come out, and he's going to try to chalk it up to just being frustrated and not trusting Edge and all that. And yeah, you know, he's going to have to get... Ray Mysterio is going to have to get burned by his son many, many times before he decides he's going to face him in a ring. And it's, I think, a little bit of a carbon copy of... not in a, This is not a complaint, but if you remember Kane and the Undertaker... If you're an older fan like myself, in 1998, when Kane actually was at Bad Blood in 97, when Kane first attacked Undertaker in his debut, and then subsequent to that, Kane continued to attack Taker. Taker refused to retaliate against his younger brother until he finally reached a breaking point and he decided to say yes and fought him at WrestleMania 14 and beat him with three tombstones nearly broke his neck if you watch those tombstones but that's i think the kind of psychology that they're going to adopt here where ray isn't going to immediately you know uh, give his son a concerto and try to snap his neck but they're gonna make or give ray a little bit of compassion and try to see if they can he can talk to his son right and see what the hell happened and i don't know what got in his head i think it was just a bit of confusion all that You know, so uh, until Dominic breaks Ray and does something hideous, maybe attacks his mother, I don't know, Dominic's going to have to get evil. And I can't wait to see what this version of Dominic's going to bring. So love it. The whole point of this. Well, I I did say Edge and Mysterio win, but I I will say that I thought it was going to be Judgment Day winning because I thought we were going to have a heel turn in the match from Dominic. But we get it after and I'll take it. Alleluia. Can I get an alleluia? No, no, no. Can I get an amen? Amen. Okay. Then we get, and I think this is the last match here, Riddle versus Rollins. And by the way, did somebody bring back Matt Riddle? I think I heard Matt being said by one of the commentators. So that's interesting to see if his name got to readopted to him. But the match, again, very good. Very good. I mean, What do you expect with these two? We knew that, and I said this could be match of the night candidate. And it, I guess it is if you if you want it to be. But I don't know how you don't look at Gunther and, and Sheamus and just vote unanimously to uh, say that was the match of the night, maybe match of the year. But the match here with Rollins and Riddle was very good. Um. It used a lot of unique maneuvers, like Seth using the floating bro, the uh, or the bro Derek, rather. And then we had Seth also use the pedigree, which he kicked out of. And then we had um, Riddle brutally attack Rollins with strikes before hitting, trying to hit Rollins with a chair, playing on his emotions. And then Rollins slid into the ring to escape. And as Riddle was getting in from chasing him, Rollins hit a stomp and then finished him off with a stomp from the second rope. This was good. Uh, they told the story that Rollins outsmarted Riddle by using his emotions against him. And by the way, I really liked and I, I don't know how I missed this on raw. The interview I saw with Rollins and, and Seth. But I missed the part where they said, okay, are, are we off now? Meaning, not meaning, what it was meant to convey was, this is something you shouldn't hear. The camera's off, right? It, 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 be, it adds another level, uh, element of uh, believability in a world that you want to believe in. So I missed that part of it. I don't know how I missed that. But it was such a nice touch and it fed into the narrative with Seth talking about his uh, wife divorcing him and all that. It added an element to this story that made sense because the whole point of this match, the finish was that Rollins was going to outsmart Riddle by getting his emotions, not being able to get his emotions in check. Made sense. So I like it. But I think we'll see one more match between these two at Extreme Rules, and then they'll call it a day. And then you'll have uh, you'll have Rollins take on Reigns at, at Survivor Series. That's my guess. That's my guess. I've not heard anything. That's just my own brain. Which is a scary place to be. But the match was really good here. And I've, I've really got nothing nothing bad to say. The triangle choke was used in this match. By the way, this was the match that it was used in. And just, just really good stuff. I mean, you talk about a pure wrestling show, guys. WWE is actually utilizing the second W. More than it ever has. And I am 100% on board for that. So... That covered the Clash at the Castle event. Roman Reigns is still your universal, undisputed, heavyweight, WWE, European, 24-7 champion. I hate to say it. I don't want to say it, but I have to say it. And I really have no clue when he's going to drop it now. I, I I, really, I don't know. I hope it's not to The Rock. I keep waiting for the, if you smell, and uh, every time I say, I'm like, okay, we're getting to the point now where WrestleMania is just starting to creep up on the horizon. Like, you can kind of look and go, hmm, all right, I see where we're going. It's September, so that means October, November, December, January, February, March, April, like seven months. You got seven months, but seven months goes quick, and I think Rock Roman has to happen in Hollywood. Has to. I mean it does if it doesn't happen this year it's not going to happen. You've set the stage perfectly. You have it's in Hollywood. It's the place that The Rock came in to dominate and did dominate. You have Roman Reigns still at the top of his game as a heel. Yeah, it's WrestleMania. What better time and place can you do it than there? So I think it has to happen there because what are you going to do? Wait a year until it's, Ooh, it's nice. It's a nice round WrestleMania 40 in Philadelphia. And then Roman's not as hot or somebody's injured rocks a year older. Maybe he's running for president in 2024. There's a lot to consider. So I'm just advocating for rock Roman. Like it just, it just needs to freaking happen so we can move on with our lives. And Roman needs to drop the belts before that. I don't want to see rock and Roman for the belts. That's all I have to say. It did. There's no need for it. It would take away from it, and it would ultimately give away the finish of the match because you knew and know that Rock has no business winning championships right now. So that's another thing. But I don't know if Triple H has the balls to keep Roman champion through WrestleMania. Another seven months? Yeesh. Yeesh. That sounds brutal. But all right. All right. Again, I think that covers us here on the WWE podcast. I thank you, everybody, for listening. You guys can go ad-free at patreon.com slash WWE podcast for $1 a month. It gets you hundreds of ad-free shows. It gets you into the door to our Discord server, and it's a lot of fun. And you get a shout-out on the show, too. You can also go to WWE for all of our ad-free shows and subscribe, go VIP. You can also go into our, uh, Apple podcast feed and there's an ad free button right there for 99 cents a month or $10 for the entire year. Thank you everybody for listening. And I will not be doing a weekend review tomorrow. I did watch SmackDown a little bit, but given that we just saw clash of the castle, who really cares about SmackDown because that supersedes what happened on SmackDown. So I will, uh, talk to you guys probably hopefully on Monday if Anthony and I can uh, sync up our schedules we've been just crazy lately with that. I keep posting you know uh, retros and things like that from the past but I, I have to because both of our schedules are crazy and we just we'll, we'll be able to do it I hope this Monday for the uh, current state of WWE and then Tuesdays are the all review we're back into normal time until we get to the extreme rules event October 8th. So thank you, everybody, for listening. Consider going VIP or subscribing to us on Apple Podcasts. And I will talk to everybody and talk to you next time. Thanks for listening to the WWE Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe on your favorite podcast app so you don't miss a show. Or head to wwepodcast.com. And for all of these shows ad-free, head over to patreon.com slash wwe podcast. Until then, we'll see you next time.